Good morning, church. How are you guys doing this morning? That was really sad. It's warm out. It's beautiful. The sun is finally out, right? Should be a bit more excited about that. Uh, my parents have been here for the past week visiting from Ontario. Um, and I've had to tell them multiple times that it, the summer in Alberta isn't just rain. Uh, so we're blessed to have some sun for this weekend. Um, but I'm really excited this morning uh, to be here. And I want to start us off with a story. How many of you guys like stories? A few people. A few people. Okay, you guys are still asleep right now. That's fine. That's fine. Get that caffeine in your system and you'll be good. So I want to start with a story about... A guy named Gideon. For those of you who uh, know, know Gideon and know the story of Gideon, you'll, you'll know that Gideon was this young kid, this young Israelite kid who, who grew up during a period of time when Israel had been essentially destroyed by an enemy nation known as the Midianites. They'd been captured, they'd been enslaved, and for years... Midian had controlled everything that Israel was doing. And basically the deal that Midian had left them was Midian came in, they defeated Israel's armies, and then they left, and Israel's like, okay, we can do whatever we want. But every time Israel planted crops or, or raised livestock or did anything simple to try and survive and to try and make some money and, you know, to build an economy, Midian would come back in with an army and wipe it all out. Soon as you had the harvest coming up, and the Israelites said, yes, we have food for winter, Midian would come in and wipe it out. It was this period of poverty in Israel. And Gideon is living through this rough time of destruction and poverty at the hands of Israel's enemies. And we pick it up in Judges 6, and it says, Now the angel of the Lord came as Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide from the Midianites. And this is interesting because the Midianites, as I said, they were coming in and destroying all the food. So what Gideon is doing is he is hiding. He is in a wine press. He is in a basement. He is trying to avoid the enemies of the Lord and try to hide what he's doing from them. And then the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And I love Gideon's answer. He says, Gideon answered him, but sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? Sir, if God was with us, why does my life suck right now? Why is all this stuff happening? Why is this so awful? And then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. I hereby commission you. He responded, but sir, how can I deliver Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. And I am the least in my family. And the Lord said this really comforting phrase to him and said, but I'll be with you. And you'll strike down the Midianites, every one of them. So Gideon is in this wine cellar. He's beating out wheat. He's trying to make food. And an angel appears to him out of nowhere and commands him to go out and to defeat the enemies of Israel, to free his people from their oppression. And his first response is, no, I can't. I'm too weak. I'm not good enough. I can't do it, God. 
And you know, I have to wonder how many people in this room are like Gideon. So the angel of the Lord stands in front of you and says, hey, I'm calling you to do this. I'm calling you to change the world. I'm calling you to make this place a better place. I'm calling you to serve. And you're just standing there and you're like, God, no, you got the wrong person. I can't do this. I can't do this. You got the wrong guy, God. And so as we continue our all-in series this week, moving, looking towards the future of Gateway, looking towards how this fall we are going to be growing from one service to two services, looking forward to how God is growing the impact of this church in this city. I want to talk to you guys this morning on the topic of calling. And I've called this message, turn to your neighbor and say this with me, get off the sidelines. How many of you guys are sports fans? A few? Okay, a few. Usually you guys are louder than that, but that's fine. We'll just see you at an Oilers game, and uh, we'll see how loud you get. Um, how, NFL fans? Anyone? Yeah? So, <laughs> my wife says sort of. Cool. <laughs> NBA? Anyone like NBA? Yeah? A few? How about them Raptors? Come on. Yeah. That gets a cheer. Uh, what else? Uh, soccer? Anyone like soccer? I don't even know what it's called. A few, a few, a few. Baseball? Okay, like three. Cool. All right. That's good. That's called good. I know we're a hockey town, so I have to ask this. How many people like NHL? Yeah? Yeah? Okay. Just Still a few, though. This is sad. Okay. That's fine. That's fine. See, when I was in grade seven, I was a huge fan of NBA basketball. And uh, I don't really watch basketball anymore and I think the reason I was a fan was because all my friends at school were fans of NBA, so I was like, yeah, I'll jump on the baton wagon. But I was a huge fan of NBA basketball, and I, I cheered exclusively. Like, I like the Raptors because they're from Toronto, and I'm Canadian, and I'm from Ontario, so I'm like, yeah, Toronto Raptors, they're kind of cool. But I cheered almost exclusively, though, for the LA Lakers. Any Lakers fans in the room? Okay, a few, a few people. few people like the Lakers, that's good. Cool. I, I cheered for the, for the Lakers. And, and for those of you who don't really know basketball, they're, they're one of the many, many teams down in, uh, down in California, in LA. And I was a huge fan of the Lakers, and I would watch every game I could, especially when they were in the playoffs. And I mean, this was during a period of time when they had Kobe Bryant, and he was still good. Um, and they had like all kinds of other players. I don't remember their names, but, but they were a really, really good team. And so it was really fun watching them because they always won. And it's, it's pretty fun to watch your team win, right? Anybody with me on that? Okay, a few people. All right, all right, all right. We'll, we'll wake you guys up. Don't worry. And, and, and so I remember I, I'd always watch them winning, and it was so much fun. And I remember back in those days, my friends were all super into basketball, so we would, we would watch NBA games, and then every recess at school, every lunch break at school, we would be outside playing basketball, rain or shine. Like, we shoveled the basketball court in the winter in order to play basketball. We were so committed to basketball that legit every recess, we were outside playing basketball. And it was super fun. It was super great. It was, I'm sure it was like the best exercise every day playing basketball. But 
after playing basketball for months and months and months and months and months with my friends and after watching so many NBA games, I had this thought cross my mind one night. And maybe you can relate to this. Maybe you've had this thought cross your mind too. But I remember watching an NBA game and thinking, I could totally do that. Come on, let's be honest. How many of you ever watched a sport game and been like, yeah, I could totally do that? No, no, wow, wow, I'm alone in this. Cool, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Or sometimes it was even a better thought. It was, wow, I could do way better than that guy. (laughs) And it's crazy, but I truly started to believe this because at recess basketball, I did pretty good. And so I was like, I could play with the Lakers. This will be good. I'll be best friends with Kobe one day. Sweet. Awesome. And so in grade 9 and 10, I decided to try out for the basketball team. And I learned really quickly that it's kind of crazy the difference between being on the court and watching from the sidelines. See, from the sidelines, it's so easy to judge the people playing. Be like, wow, how could you do that? Wow, he messed up! Oh! So easy to think, oh, I could do so much better than them. Or, oh, if only they would do this. If only they would just pass the ball to that guy. He'd he'd do a better job. Wow! But when you're in the game, it's totally different. See, from the sidelines, it's easy to judge what's going on. But it's just as easy to make the very same mistakes once you're in the game. And what I found is that now that I've grown up a little bit and matured a bit, instead of watching sports games and thinking, wow, I could do way better than they can, I now watch sports games and think... I could never do what they do. How many people have had that thought cross your mind? Come on. Come on. Just as easy as it can be to see somebody else, whether it's in sports or in life or in business or wherever, to see somebody else and think, I could do a way better job than they can. I find that it can be just as easy to look at something and think, wow, I can never do what they do. And when it comes to sports, let's be real, the first thought is usually, or the second thought is usually the right one. If you think that you can play professional sports and you're over the age of like 22 and you're not on a team, guess what? You're probably not going to play professional sports. I'm sorry if I'm crushing anybody's dreams here right now, but... But if, if, you, if, if you're look, watching a game and you're like 35 and you're like, I could do a way better job than them, and you haven't been drafted to a team, I doubt it. But all too often, I find that we underestimate our abilities and we choose to stay on the sidelines. In life, in church, in our jobs believing we can never do what we see other people doing. And we limit ourselves. We limit what God can do through our lives because we doubt ourselves. 
You know, for me, as a young married guy with no kids, it's so easy to look at other people with kids, awesome parents that are here at this church, and just be like, wow, I can never do what they do. It's so easy, because there's some awesome parents out there. It's so easy when, when you're at, at work, in a job, in business, whatever, and to see other professional people who are in higher paying positions or in more prestigious positions, and to look at them and think, wow, I can never do what they can. I can never do what they do. It's so easy to be at church and see all of our awesome volunteers because we have some amazing volunteers here at Gateway. See our greeters, see our ushers, see our cafe team, see our info desk team, see our worship team, our tech team, the kids' rooms, my, my crazy youth leaders who put up with your teenagers every single week. It's so easy to see all these volunteers and to think, I can never do what they do. And it's easy, even when people stand on the stage and say, we need your help. We need your help. Will you help us? It's easy even when God is saying, hey, I want you to get involved. Hey, I'm calling you to make a difference in this church. Hey, I'm calling you to make a difference in this city. It's so easy to discount ourselves because we think we can't do it. But I want to challenge you guys in something this morning. What if you're wrong? What if you're wrong? What if you can do it? What if God is calling you off the sidelines and into the game, and you're like, no, no, I can't do it because they're way better than me, but it's not true. Maybe, maybe you don't know it, but you're the star of the game. What if you can do it? What if you're so busy sitting on the sidelines making excuses when you're meant to be in the game? See, from the sidelines, it's easy to feel like you don't belong. It's easy to feel like you can't do what you see other people doing. But what if you're so busy sitting on the sidelines making excuses when you're really meant to be in the game? Because sometimes you don't know what's inside of you until you're willing to step into the game. Gideon, in the story of Gideon, you find this scared kid beating wheat in a wine press, beating wheat in his basement to hide from the enemy. And out of nowhere, bam, angel appears to him. And he says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And what's crazy about when God calls you to do something. And what's crazy about when God called Gideon to go defeat the Midianites is that Gideon wasn't a mighty warrior. Look at this with me. Look at verse 15. Gideon responds, how can I deliver Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Let me paraphrase that for you. Hey, angel, you say that I'm going to go defeat the enemies. Guess what? In my family, my brother's stronger than me. My sister's stronger than me. My 80-year-old mom's stronger than me. Like, everyone in my family's stronger than me. In our clan, my family's not that great. And our clan and our tribe, in, in the context of our tribe, our clan is the weakest of the weak. 
So I'm the weakest of the weak of the weak in our tribe, and our tribe isn't that special either. See, Angel, I'm not a mighty warrior. You don't know what you're talking about. You must be wrong. But here's the thing with God. It's that when he calls you to do something, it doesn't matter how unprepared you feel, how worthless you feel, how scared you are that you might fail. When God calls you to something, he will always, always equip you to do it. So if you're on the sidelines, maybe it's time to get into the game. See, here's the thing. Can I be real with you guys for a second? Okay, a few people. I got permission from a few, so I'm just going to take that. See, everything you see here at Gateway, everything you see here at Gateway, our incredible staff, our incredible facility, incredible um, equipment, everything you see, all the events we put on, all the services we put on, everything you see is because of people like you. It's not because the staff do a really good job at putting on events. No, no, no. We can't do it without you. It's because of people like you who have believed in this church. People like you who have called this church home and who have said, hey, I'm not willing to just sit on the sidelines. It's because of people like you who have believed in what God is doing in and through this church and people like you who have partnered with us, giving financially and giving of your time to see what God can do through them here at Gateway. See, everything we have here at this church is because of our amazing volunteers and people who have chosen to support this church with their money and with their time. See, I tell this to my youth team all the time. So, like, we, we put on all of these different youth events, and some of them are really, really great, and it's fantastic, and God moves in incredible ways, and it's not because of me. I couldn't do it without them. I tell them all the time, I could not do it without them. Without them, everything that we do at Accelerate Youth would not be possible. All the lives that have been changed, all the times God has encountered kids, that would not have been possible without my leaders. Without our incredible volunteers that come and serve once a month, twice a month, or if you're on my youth team, almost every single week throughout the entire year. Without those people who come and serve, the incredible things we see God do at Gateway would not be possible. So as we look to the future, as we look to what God is doing in this church, as we look to expanding our influence in this city, as we look to going to two services this fall, there's one thing we really need you guys to know. That's that we cannot do this without you. And you see, I firmly believe that God is calling each and every one of us to join what he is doing in this church and in this city. That if you call this church your home, he's calling you to see what he can do through you and to partner with us and serve. See, at the end of the service, 
Drake's going to be leading a gateway teams to our executive pastor, Drake, um, which will explore all the different areas we have at Gateway. It'll be a walkthrough of the worship team, the hospitality team, the kids team, all of the different areas of serving at the church. And I would want to challenge each and every one of you that if you are not on a team or if you're looking to join another team, to check that out. Even if you just want to know more about what happens at Gateway, join that tour. And you see, I, you have to understand. You have to understand something. See, when I say that I believe God is calling you to serve, I don't say that because we need more volunteers. I mean, we do need more volunteers, but I don't say that because of that. See, it's so easy for pastors to stand on a stage and be like, well, God says this, and it's not actually true. It's not actually biblical. But the reason I say I believe God is calling you to serve is because there is this really clear call in the Bible that if you follow Jesus, you will serve others. See, Philippians 2 says this, let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. Jesus came to earth to serve others. Galatians 5.13, For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, i.e., when you follow Jesus, it's not about you anymore. It's not all about you. What does he say? Do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love, become slaves to one another. Mark ten forty-two to 45, Jesus says, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them. And the great ones are tyrants, famous people, Lord it over other people. That's the way of the world. But Jesus says, it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for the many. See, that's just three examples of literally hundreds of Bible verses that I went through when I was prepping this message. Literally hundreds of Bible verses that talk on serving and on the importance of serving. You see, what the scripture is telling us is that we are supposed to be like Jesus. That when we follow Jesus, it's no longer about us it's about others. That we are supposed to be like Jesus. We're not supposed to come to church every single week and simply receive from other people. Simply to be served by the volunteers here at Gateway. But to serve others. See, people often ask us as church staff, like, why should I serve? What will I get out of serving? And I honestly hate that question. Because that's the wrong mindset. 
It's not about what you'll get out of serving. That's a cost-reward mindset. If I do what Jesus says, what is he going to give me? Great. See, when the Bible talks about serving, it never talks about it in, a, in the terms of a cost-reward. It simply says, serve as Jesus did. See, Jesus calls us to serve one another, not for what it gets us, but for what we can give to others. Because the reality is that if Jesus has done something incredible in your life, the natural response should be to try and help others encounter him in the same way. So what I want to challenge each and every one of you to do this morning is really, really, really simple. See, at the end of the service, Drake is going to come up and he's going to be leading a Gateway Teams tour. And I want to challenge each and every one of you to take 20, 25 minutes out of your afternoon, especially those of you who are not on a team, just take 20, 25 minutes out of your afternoon and, and join us on that tour. See, there's no commitment. If you show up to the tour, it's not like we're going to write down your name and contact you later about serving. We're not going to have you sign your name in blood and suddenly you have to serve. You don't have to join a team. It just gives you an opportunity to walk through and see what God is doing here at Gateway. See different opportunities to serve. And once the tour is over, I want to encourage you to go home and, and pray. Ask God, what are you calling me to do? I want to challenge each and every one of you to see what God can do through you. See how God can use you to change this church, this city, this nation through one small act of obedience. You know, looking at the story of Gideon, long story short, there's a whole slew of passages in there and great parts of the story, but looking back at the story, after Gideon's excuses, then he asks for proof, and he's like, God, I'll put down this carpet in my room, and if the carpet's wet but the floor is dry, then I'll obey you, and God's like, okay, and so he does it, and warning comes, and the carpet's wet and the floor is dry, and he's like, oh, well, God, uh, I'll put down the carpet again, and if the carpet is dry tomorrow and the floor is wet, then I'll, then I'll serve you, and God's like, okay, and so he does it, and the next morning Gideon wakes up, and the floor is soaking wet, and the carpet is completely dry, and he's like, okay. So after all the excuses and after all of the, the proofs, he went out and he did what God was calling him to do. And he raised an army. And then God whittled that army down to 300 men. And he went out and they defeated the Midianites. Because you see, when God calls you to do something, he will always equip you to do it. So if this morning you're interested in getting off the sidelines, you're interested in seeing what God can do through you, you're interested in seeing more, getting involved in what God is doing here at Gateway, I want to encourage you to take up the simple challenge. If you're here and you want to join that Gateway Teams tour, to see more of what we do, to join a team, I want you to stand right now. Take a step of faith and just say, and just stand and say, I will come and join the tour. I will come 
and see what goes on in Gateway. I will come and see what God is doing here at this church. See, standing doesn't mean you're committing to join a team. It's just saying, hey, I will come to this tour. At the end of the service, I want to challenge you guys to come. Join our Gateways Teams tour. Then go home and prayerfully consider what God is calling you to do. Take 20, 25 minutes out of your afternoon. See what God's doing in this church. Prayerfully consider what he's calling you to do. And then do it. Father God, I pray over each and every person in this room, Lord, that you will reveal to us your calling for our lives. You'll reveal to us our role in this church. You'll reveal to us our role in what you're doing here in Edmonton. That you'll help us to have the faith and to have the courage to step out, to join a team, to serve here at this church get involved in what you are doing here. That we will have the courage to see what you can do through us, to see what you can do through our small act of obedience. I pray this in your name. Amen.